Welcome to Citri Church The Bukit. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full, and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Jesus, God incarnate, God with skin on, stepping out of the eternal and stepping into messy humanity. There are over 300 Old Testament prophecies that point to the coming Messiah, prophecies that ultimately point to and find their completion in Jesus. And Jesus takes center stage today. Jesus, the great promise. Jesus, our Savior, Messiah, and Lord. Jesus, life giver. And let's read about him, about his birth together this morning in Matthew's account. And we're going to start here, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. We're reading from the Passion Translation. This is how Jesus, God's anointed one, was born. His mother, Mary, had promised Joseph to be his wife, but while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Her fiancé, Joseph, was a righteous man, full of integrity, and he didn't want to disgrace her, but when he learnt about her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break the engagement. While he was still debating with himself about what to do, he fell asleep and had a supernatural dream. An angel from the Lord appeared to him in clear light and said, Joseph, descendant of David, don't hesitate to take Mary into your home as your wife because the power of the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in her womb. Wow. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus. For he is destined to give his life to save his people from their sins. Jesus, the great savior, the great hope, the great promise. Verse 22, this happens so that what the Lord spoke through the prophet would come through. And this is from the prophet Isaiah here. Listen, a virgin will become pregnant and she will give birth to a son. He will be known as Emmanuel, which means in Hebrew, God became one of us. When Joseph awoke from his dream, he did all that the angel of the Lord had instructed him to do. He took Mary to be his wife, but he refrained from having sex until she gave birth to her son, whom they named Jesus. Chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem near Jerusalem during the reign of King Herod. After Jesus' birth, a group of spiritual priests, or we often know them as wise men, uh, from the east, they came to Jerusalem and inquired of the people, where is the child who is born king of the Jewish people? We observed his, observed his star rising in the sky and we've come to bow down before him in worship. King Herod was shaken to the core when he heard this, and not only him, but all of Jerusalem was disturbed when they heard this news. This is a big deal. So he, he called a meeting of the Jewish ruling priests and religious scholars, demanding that they tell him where the promised Messiah was prophesied to be born. He will be born in Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, they told him, because the prophecy states, and this is from Micah, and you, little Bethlehem, are not insignificant among the clans of Judah, for out of you will emerge the shepherd king of my people Israel. Verse 7, when 
Herod secretly, uh, then Herod secretly summoned the spiritual priests from the east uh, to ascertain the exact time the star first appeared. He told them, now go to Bethlehem and carefully look for the child. And when you've found him, report to me so that I can go and bow down and worship him too. So they left and on their way to Bethlehem, suddenly the same star they had seen in the east reappeared. Amazed, they watched as it went ahead of them and stopped directly over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were ecstatic and they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. When they came into the house and saw a young child with Mary, his mother, they were overcome. Falling to the ground at his feet, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure boxes full of gifts and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Afterwards, they returned to their own country by another route because God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. Verse 13. After they had gone, Joseph had another dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Get up now and flee to Egypt. Take Mary and the little child and stay there until I tell you to leave, for Herod intends to search for the child to kill him. So that very night he got up and he took Jesus and his mother and they made their escape to Egypt and they remained there until Herod died. All of this fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through his prophet. And this is from Hosea. I will summon my son out of Egypt. Verse 16. When Herod realized he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. So he sent soldiers with orders to slaughter every baby boy two years old and younger in Bethlehem and throughout the surrounding countryside based on the time frame he was given from interrogating the wise men. This fulfilled the words from the prophet Jeremiah, I hear the screams of anguish, weeping and wailing in Ramah. Rachel is weeping uncontrollably for her children and she refuses to be comforted because they are dead and gone. After Herod died, the angel of the Lord appeared again to Joseph in a dream while he was still in Egypt saying, go back to the land of Israel and take the child and his mother with you for those who sought to kill the child are dead. So he awoke and took Jesus and Mary and returned to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, son of Herod, had succeeded him as ruler over the territory of Judah, he was afraid to go back. Then he had another dream from God, a dream from God, uh, warned him to avoid the region, instructing him instead to go to the province of Galilee. So he settled his family in the village of Nazareth, fulfilling the prophecy that he would be known as a Nazarene. Here in the Gospel of Matthew, we have this one account of the birth of Jesus, one of the accounts, the birth of Jesus, the arrival of the great promise. And now, reading this through, if, if I was chosen to record the touchdown of God on planet Earth, I don't think I would have included or glossed over some of what we have just read. It's... Uh, we see there's, there's literally, there's, there's one sentence about the birth of Jesus. Joseph takes Mary as his wife, and next minute we have this one little verse, Jesus was born in Bethlehem 
near Jerusalem. There's a little bit of information here. Where are the details? Where's the, where's the emotion? Was he heavy? Was he a cute little seven pounder or a, a robust 10 pounder? Isn't that what everybody talks about when a, when a baby's born? Where's that information? Did Joseph hold up Jesus like, like Simba in, in the Lion King? Is, is there a moment like that? Was Jesus a, a standard little baby doing standard baby things? Or was there something clearly different? And he, he comes out of the womb and, and says, it is I. Peace be with you. Uh, we don't know. There's, there's not the details here. Instead, there are much more details about other things that I don't know if I would have highlighted in this account, like, like King Herod in this plot to kill Jesus and the truly horrendous lengths that he went to to try and accomplish this. And, and there's much more than about Joseph and Mary bundling Jesus up and, and fleeing in the night to Egypt and then and living there and then coming back to Israel and figuring out how all that's going to work. And, and I would have told the story of Jesus being born on earth very differently. But, you know, what we need to see here is God's not scared of mess that I would have probably dialed down the mess and dialed up the glory and the wonder and the details and the emotions. But there are many things we can learn from Matthew's account. And again, one of them is bringing forth a promise is typically a messy process. Bringing forth a promise is typically a messy process. And the Bible doesn't retell history leaving out the mess. Not at all. God is not a stranger to mess. He's not scared of mess. In the first few years of Jesus' life, there's, there's kind of mess all around. And this doesn't mean that Joseph and Mary were out of the will of God, that they were in the bad books. Not at all. This doesn't diminish the importance of Jesus, or it doesn't dial down the magnificence or, or majesty that, that surrounds Jesus. But we need to remember that bringing forth a promise is typically a messy process. And I feel like for, for so many this year, there's been mess in the process and it could have left us questioning the promise, questioning the call, the hope, the dream, or even our purpose. And we need to remember that God's promises don't always equal smooth pathways. Uh -uh. And the Bible doesn't pretend that it does. Let's just ask Joseph and think again about his experience that we've, that we've seen here. And let's think, firstly, Joseph is engaged to his dream girl. He's in love. He's pumped. They're getting married. And then he hears that she's pregnant and they've never slept together. Now, maybe it was, he could have said something like this, Mary, I, I admire your creativity with the supernatural pregnancy story, but I thought I could trust you. You've broken my heart. And then not long after that, Joseph actually hears from God that what she had said is true. So he's got a, it's like, it's mind-blowing stuff going on in his world right now, that there is a supernatural baby growing inside of his fiance. And this is not just any baby. This is the Messiah. This is the savior of the world, the great promise. And, and maybe Joseph's thinking could have been something like, like, 
God, really? Really? Why us? Why now? And what about my plans, God? I've got this all mapped out, how our future's going to go, what it's going to look like. And, you know, we we're actually planning to wait a couple of years before we had a baby because I wasn't really feeling ready for that responsibility. And now I'm raising the savior of the world. Yeah, thanks. That messes with my plans on an epic scale. And you know, there is something really important here for Joseph, important for us too. He'll, he'll need to remember this over and over. You see, Matthew one twenty one, we see that, that he has this angelic visit and, and Mary's going to give birth, he's told. You're going to call him Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. And this, this helps give Joseph, cl- give him clarity and and see something of his purpose. And, and we must know purpose to persevere through the pain. We must know purpose to persevere through the pain. And, and here Joseph finds his purpose in the context of Jesus. And there is no more life-changing position for any human today than for us to find our purpose in the context of Jesus. It's what we crave for in the deepest recesses of the human heart and soul because there is a divine purpose imprinted in us from our maker. And so is there a strong sense of purpose alive in you? Is it strong in you today, a purpose surrounding your business or your marriage or your parenting or your serving or leading or, or life in general? Is there a sense of, of God's call, of his, his promises, this divine purpose? Because we, we can't always control what we will go through, but a sense of purpose determines if we will get through. And so if you are lacking a clear sense of that purpose today that, that helped Joseph continue through the challenge that helps us continue through the challenges, then can I encourage you to open your heart today to God and say, hey, I give you permission. Speak to me. Show me. Maybe you need a chat to, to a mature Christian around you and, and engage on that process so there is that strong sense of purpose for you. The account in Matthew continues and, and we see some more of Joseph's experience here and you know Mary's super pregnant and they have to travel uh, for this this census they're going from Nazareth to Bethlehem and it's a it's a five-day bit of a grueling walk and and maybe Joseph he could have been something like God I I hear that down the road in the future you're going to do this teleportation thing with Philip is there any way you could bring that forward a few years because, you know, we, we are kind of growing your baby here. Is a little bit of help for us, please? No, they've, they've just got to do the walk. They've got to persevere. And then they get to Bethlehem. And, and in Luke's account, we see there's no guest room. There's, there's nowhere for them to stay. And they're basically staying in a barn. And can you imagine Joseph? Man, he, he could have so easily been like, God, seriously, this is all for you, you could have at least reserved a room for us, or, or could you just like, poof, like kaboom, one of those special glamping tents for us just, just here right now? Because, you know, we, 
we're birthing Jesus, you know. But no, Jesus is born in this barn. He's placed in, in a manger. And, and then Joseph settles his family in Bethlehem. And, and he's, I guess he's got to figure out now where they're going to live. And he's got to get work and establish the family and all those responsibilities that he would have felt. And he's just, he's just figuring it out. And, and then we hear also that, so Herod is, he's threatened by the news of Jesus. And he hatches this plan to kill him. Because the enemy knows if he can kill the seed, he can kill the future. That if he can kill the seed, he can kill the promise, end the promise. And so we, we must be careful to protect, to nurture the seed, the, the seed of that dream, that God idea, that promise that we've been given so that it can grow beyond the seed, beyond the infant. So Ultimately, it can grow into the fulfillment of that promise. And, and here in the middle of the night, Joseph hears from God. He, he has this, these words from God. It's like, hey, hey, Joe, Herod's after you. He's trying to kill Jesus. I need you to get up right now. Take your family. Take what you can carry and, and move to Egypt and stay there until I say. Now, just think about this again. Imagine... You're Joseph, and, and he, he, he's like, God, you can talk to me anytime. Why do you pick the middle of the night? Couldn't you have just done this at like 8 a.m. after my morning coffee? Like, seriously, God, you want me to move countries? And Egypt? Egypt? I, I don't like the sand or the flies. You want to send me to Egypt? I, I've been planning a holiday in Basso, but I guess, yeah, maybe a seven-day walk through the desert to Egypt. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. Thank you. Actually, God, don't tell me to go there. Why don't you come here? If Jesus is in trouble, why don't you send a few legions of those beefcake angels to sort this out? Come and protect Jesus yourself. Like, imagine this could have so easily been stewing in. And God, you, you want me to go to Egypt for how long? Is this for a month? A year? Is this for a decade or more? There's no certainty. How do I plan? How do I look after my, my family. What, what does this mean? And, and God, man, life with Jesus is rather inconvenient right now. Hmm. You know, inconvenience and uncertainty are woven into the life cycle of our purpose. Can't forget that. Somehow Joseph, he, man, he, he must have understood this. He didn't spit the dummy. He didn't drop the ball. He did what was required of him. We see in Matthew 2.14 that he got up in the middle of the night. He got Mary and Jesus and they left that very night. He was doing exactly. He responded to the prompting of God. And for us, maybe there's something even in this message today. And we need to hear some words like that. Come on, get up. As Joseph heard the words, get up, maybe for us, this is a moment to go, it's time to get up, to respond to that prompting from God, that nudge, that little still small voice and get up, not bow to feelings. Get up, move in the direction that God is leading. If he's calling us to get up, let's, let's get up. What's happening around you has not left you trapped. Your struggle will not stop the promise and take a hold of that today and and remember like joseph that that you are part of a much greater story and as i 
as I conclude this today. This Jesus we read about in, in chapter two and three, he grew. He grew, he lived the perfect life. He showed us how to live. And then ultimately he surrendered his life on the cross in our place to deal with our sin, to make a way for real connection between us and God. And then Jesus rose from the grave, life conquering death. And Jesus became the fullness of the promise. The promised one delivered on all counts. Jesus completed his call and he has limitless power to help us live ours. And so our hope this Christmas is not in a policy or a philosophy. Our hope this Christmas is not in a handout or a hand up. It's not in our efforts, our stuff, our image. It's not in religion or rule following. Our hope this Christmas is not in a new year that's approaching that'll hopefully save us and be so much nicer than this one. Our hope, our peace this Christmas is not in that stuff. It's in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And our lives are secure in our all-powerful Savior. So let's make room for him this Christmas. And to recap, bringing forth a promise is typically a messy process. Great promises don't equal smooth pathways. You must know purpose to persevere through pain. We can't always control what we're gonna go through, but a sense of purpose determines if we will get through. The enemy knows if he can kill the seed, he can kill the future. Inconvenience and uncertainty are woven into the life cycle of our purpose. And get up, don't bow to feelings. Get up, move in the direction God is directing. Your struggle will not stop the promise. You're an important part in a much greater story. Our lives are secure in our all-powerful Savior. Lots of love to each and every one of you. Let's make room for our Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We hope you are inspired with this message. For more information about our church and our program, please visit c3thebookit.com.